with deep ties to both the political and showbiz scenes, the Revilla clan is arguably one of the most notable families in the Philippines. Its patriarch, Don Ramon, is even infamous in the country for having fathered around 81 kids, with the feud between his legitimate children and his common law partner fueling tabloid headlines for years. In 2011, however, the entire family found themselves once again in the spotlight, albeit for an entirely different reason. You're listening to Stories After Dark, a Philippine true crime and mystery podcast powered by Anchor and released exclusively on Spotify with new episodes out every week. This is the story of Ramjen Revilla, a young actor who in 2011 was fatally shot after a masked assailant barged into the room that he was sharing with his girlfriend. Listener discretion is advised due to the graphic nature of this story. Born on February 12, 1988, Ramjen Jose Magsaysay Bautista was one of the many children of the actor and later Senator Ramon Revilla Sr., who is rumored to have fathered as many as 81 children with at least 16 different women. Ramjen, better known as Ramjen Revilla in show business or Ram to friends and family, was Don Ramon's eldest son with Jenilyn Magsaysay, who also came from a rather dysfunctional family line. Jenilyn and her sister Genevieve were the illegitimate daughters of former movie starlet Lynn Madrigal and attorney Genaro Magsaysay, the younger brother of the seventh president of the Philippines, Ramon Magsaysay. Because of their background, Jenilyn and Genevieve were often referred to as anaxilabas, a derogatory term in the Philippines used to describe illegitimate children. However, both girls were still considered part of the Magsaysay clan, a powerful political family from Zambales, La Union. Jenilyn and Don Ramon went on to have nine children together, a fact that was begrudgingly accepted by his legitimate wife Azucena Mortel and their own seven children. However, the relationship between Don Ramon and Jenilyn became a bigger cause of contention when in May 1998, after Azucena passed away from a heart attack, plans were made for Jenilyn and her children to move into the Revilla family mansion in Imos, Cavite. Don Ramon's legitimate children were against this plan as it would be a huge disrespect to the memory of their dead mother. According to an anonymous source who spoke with the Philippine Daily Inquirer, they found Jenilyn's plans to be brazen and audacious, and they cringed over her sense of entitlement. As a compromise, Don Ramon instead opted to have a two-story mansion built for Jenilyn and their children in the middle-class neighborhood of BF Homes in Paranaque City, Metro Manila. There were rumors that Jenilyn was dissatisfied with this change of plans even though the mansion built for her dwarfed all the other structures in BF homes. Some claimed that she desired to become the Revilla family matriarch which would have been likely cemented by her moving into the Cavite main mansion. There were also rumors that out of Don Ramon's girlfriends, Jenilyn was the only one who refused to work, constantly demanding sustento or an allowance, and harboring credit card debts that reportedly reached as much as 2.3 million pesos or around 46,000 US dollars in today's money. She was further compared to Don Ramon's other mistresses, most of whom only asked him for capital to start small businesses such as hair salons and sari-sari stores. For some, the rumors of Jenilyn being lazy and entitled were the reason why Don Ramon's legitimate children with Azucena despised her. They got along well with her children, however, 
In particular, Ramjin was said to have frequently hung out with his half-nephews Jolo and Brian, the sons of the actor and politician Ramon Bong Revilla Jr., who came from Don Ramon's marriage with Azucena. The hatred that Don Ramon's legitimate children felt towards Jenilyn was apparently mutual. She often aired out her sentiments on Facebook. In a post published on October 11, 2011, she said that Azucena's children considered her a parasite who felt entitled to the Revilla family wealth. She also alleged that the allowance she was being given wasn't even enough to cover her family's monthly expenses. As the recognized common law partner of Don Ramon, Jenilyn, under the Philippine Family Code, had the right to wages, salaries, and property in equal shares as governed by the country's usual rules on co-ownership. Thanks to this, her children were reportedly given a monthly allowance of 290,000 pesos or 5,800 US dollars while she herself was given a much higher amount as a personal allowance. There were even some reports that her children received as much as 1 million pesos or 20,000 US dollars per month, which allowed them to purchase several luxury cars. However, these allegations have since been publicly disputed by Bong Revilla Jr. On October 9, 2011, Jenilyn also posted on Facebook that she and her children had stopped receiving a monthly allowance from the Revilla family. It was claimed that the arrangement was disrupted in 2008 when Don Ramon suffered a near-fatal stroke. But again, Jenilyn's allegations were denied by his legitimate children. Fighting about money wasn't just between Jenilyn and Don Ramon's legitimate children, however. In early 2011, Ramjen reportedly got into a major fight with his then 18-year-old brother Ramon Joseph Bautista, better known as RJ, who had sold the family's new Mitsubishi Strada for 800,000 pesos without consulting anyone else. As punishment, Don Ramon withheld the down payment for a new Mitsubishi Montero that RJ was hoping to purchase with the money he made from selling the Strada. According to some sources, this became a huge cause of friction between the two brothers since Ramjin had been the one to tell Don Ramon about the sale. There were also allegations that the brothers fought about who got to handle the family's finances. Some said that Ramjin, as the eldest, was responsible for this, while others held that it was actually RJ, with the task only falling to Ramjin a while later in late 2011. It wasn't just RJ and Ramjin, however, who had a bit of a sibling rivalry. The rest of Jenilyn's children were also said to have fought frequently, mostly because of the monthly allowance that they were forced to share among themselves. This internal fighting came to a head on October 29, 2011. That day, Ramjen, who was 23, and his long-term girlfriend, 22-year-old actress Janelle Manahan, were hanging out in his room at the family mansion in BF Homes. According to Janelle, Ramjen's younger sister, Ramona, whom everyone called Mara, knocked on their bedroom door at around 11.30pm and asked to borrow a video camera. Mara then left the door open when she left, which would later prove to be a deadly mistake. Shortly afterward, a masked assailant came into the room, pointed a gun at Janelle and shot her in the face before stabbing her twice in the chest. Her boyfriend Ramjen unsuccessfully tried to fight off the attacker, and as a result was shot and also stabbed a total of 16 times. Both Ramjen and Janelle were rushed to the Paranaque General Hospital, but Ramjen was pronounced dead on arrival at 12.15am. 
Janelle survived her injuries, though she was forced to undergo facial reconstruction surgery because the bullet had entered below her left eye and exited through her right neck. Another bullet had also entered through her right shoulder before exiting through her arm. Janelle's version of events has since formed the bulk of public knowledge regarding the murder of Ramjan Ravilla. Besides the masked assailant, she also alleged that before losing consciousness, she had overheard a phone conversation between Mara and Gail Bautista Foroyama, another one of Ramjan's sisters. Janelle said that the two spoke calmly to each other, despite the fact that their brother and his girlfriend lay bleeding in the bedroom just a few steps away from them. Janelle also alleged that Mara, upon hearing the gunshots, rushed to get help, but when she didn't return, Janelle was forced to use her own phone to call emergency services, even though she was ready to pass out from the pain. Later, Mara claimed that she wasn't able to return because she had been abducted by the assailants. However, this story was questioned when on November 4, 2011, she fled to Turkey, where she was a resident via her marriage to a Turkish national named Engintuna Bulbuloglu, who was also allegedly involved in Ramjan's murder and who said that in Turkey, he and Mara were untouchable. Suspicions further increased when Ramjan's personal aide, Ronald Ancajas, was interviewed by the police. While he claimed not to have heard the gunshots, he did say that he saw Mara and RJ leaving the family mansion shortly after the incident. This was later corroborated by security guards from BF Homes, who confirmed that the two siblings had left the village that evening. At first, it seemed suspicious that Ancajas and the family's maids didn't hear the gunshots coming from Ramjan's bedroom, but further investigation revealed that the masked assailant had used a silencer. On October 31, 2011, a day after Ramjan's murder, a man named Ruel Puzon came forward and gave himself up to the police in Paranaque City. Not only did he confess to the crime, but he also implicated several others. He said that Gleisa Vista, Ryan Pastera, and Norwin de la Cruz had approached him and his friend Lloyd Cometa to carry out the killing. Comeda also confessed to murdering Ramjan. However, even more shocking was his allegation that the victim's siblings, RJ and Mara, had masterminded the entire plot. That same day, Paranaque City police officers arrested two men named Michael J. Cruz Nartea and Roy Francis Tolisora, both of whom Comeda had tagged as the two other gunmen hired to kill Ramjan. Tolisora and Nardea, whom some sources refer to as Aldea, confessed that they were indeed hired gunmen who had originally planned to shoot Ramjan on the morning of October 12, but they chickened out when they heard what sounded like a gun being cocked from inside the actor's bedroom. After this failed attempt, Cometa and Puzon said that they were then approached by acting middlemen Vista, Pastera, and De La Cruz who offered them 200,000 pesos to murder Ramjan. On October 14, they were allegedly given an additional 19,000 pesos by RJ and another man so that they could buy a new gun. They then proceeded to stake out the family's home, with Puzon even claiming that they had spotted the Mitsubishi Montero that had been used in the first failed murder attempt. Puzon alleged that after their plans were finalized, Nartea began bragging about how his task would soon be over. However, Nartea told investigators that he and Tolisora had backed out at the last minute, consumed with guilt over what they were being made to do. The two men also presented alibis with Nartea having stayed at home that evening while Tolisora was out drinking with his friends. 
Since all the men who had confessed to the murder denied pulling the trigger, many speculated that the masked assailant had been RJ Bautista himself. Because of these suspicions, he was arrested by the police in Bacoor City, Cavite, and charges against him along with the other suspects were filed shortly afterward. Meanwhile, Ramjan's other younger sister, Gail Bautista Furuyama, and her husband, Hiro, were implicated in the murder by Glyza Vista and Norwin de la Cruz, who had given themselves up to the police on November 15. This confession spurred Janelle Manahan to file murder and frustrated murder charges against the couple. The charges against them, however, were dropped when prosecutors determined that no probable cause had been identified to tie them to the murder. When some pointed to Janelle's allegations that she had heard Gail and Mara speaking with each other on the phone after she was shot, Gail countered that Janelle's account was unreliable given the severity of her injuries and the fact that it was questionable how she could have heard the voice of the person on the other end of the line. In January 2012, RJ filed a petition for bail and pleaded not guilty at his arraignment. A few days later, Ryan Pastera, one of the alleged middlemen in the murder, finally surrendered himself to the police, although he denied any involvement in the case. That same month, the court denied the petition for bail that was filed by RJ, along with the rest of the alleged middlemen and gunmen. Only Tolisora was permitted to post bail after the prosecution determined that there was a lack of sufficient evidence to tie him to the murder. Mara, who was already in Turkey by then, was placed on Interpol's wanted and red notice lists, which meant that she could immediately be extradited back to the Philippines upon arrest by international authorities. To assert her innocence, she filmed herself explaining that she had faked the story of her being abducted to mask her shame at fleeing the scene instead of staying to help her brother and his girlfriend. Besides this, not only did Mara say that it was Ramjan's personal aide, Ronald Ancajas, who had pulled the trigger, but she also theorized that the masked assailant had actually intended to kill Janelle since she was the first to be shot. No one believed Mara's claims, however. In fact, Bongrevilla Jr. even publicly urged the Philippine National Police to seek Interpol's help to extradite Mara from Turkey. For weeks, the entire Revilla clan, including both Jenilin's and Azucena's children, were the subject of headlines in the country. In 2012, Don Ramon was rushed to the hospital for an undisclosed reason, though it was reported that it was due to stress caused by the publicity surrounding Ramjan's case. Meanwhile, the media was lambasted by the public for sensationalizing the case and the grief that the Revilla clan was going through. Some accused them of deliberately unearthing background stories to spice up the police investigation in order to portray the rivalry between RJ and Ramjan as a modern-day equivalent of the biblical story of Cain and Abel. Critics also said that the media should have focused on official police findings rather than adding fuel to the fire by quoting unnamed sources and reporting mere allegations. The media stories as well as the public's response divided the Revilla clan. Some believed that Mara and RJ were involved in Ramjan's death, while the others supported the siblings. Don Ramon himself was of the latter camp. In late 2013, after recovering from his illness, he publicly stated that he believed in the innocence of his children. He also expressed disappointment that the court had denied RJ's petition for bail. With no new leads or developments, allegations came about that Ramjan wasn't actually the good-natured and kind-hearted young man that his family was portraying him to be. 
In January 2012, Ramjan's girlfriend Janelle spoke to a local news outlet and claimed that her boyfriend was so prone to jealousy that he would often fly into a rage and forbid her from talking to other men. She also claimed that he used to beat her and his younger siblings, especially after being made the de facto paternal authority of the family, and that he lorded over his siblings the special favors he received from their father, saying that he was the favorite son. These, Janelle said, were more than enough to turn Ramjan's siblings against him. According to Janelle's lawyer, attorney R.G. Guevara, the family strained financial resources after their monthly allowance was reportedly cut combined with jealousy of Ramjan because of the blatant favoritism that Don Ramon showed him became an explosive mix for Janelin Magsaysay's children. Guevara equated Ramjan's murder to the age-old Filipino saying, Lintik lang ang walang ganti, which roughly means that those who are bullied are bound to take revenge. The trial for Ramjan's murder case was handled by Judge Fortonito Madrona of the Paranaque City Regional Trial Court Branch 274. In one notable incident, Judge Madrona asked the prosecution's star witness, Ruel Puzon, whether he was making up his testimony. This was said to have been greeted with muffled laughter from court spectators, with Jenilyn Magsaysay even whispering hallelujah as it indicated doubt surrounding her children's alleged involvement in the murder of their older brother. On June 14, 2019, almost eight years after the murder, the court acquitted R.J. Bautista and the five other suspects. In his 144-page decision, acting presiding judge Betley Ian Barakias asserted that none of the evidence gathered from the crime scene by the PNP's scene of the crime operatives team was traced back to R.J. Bautista, Michael J. Nartea, Roy Francis Tolisora, Gliza Vista, Norwin de la Cruz, and Ryan Pastera. It was noted that Soko had recovered from the crime scene a cell phone, a scabbard, a fired bullet, two shell casings of a 45 caliber gun, and a 40 caliber SPS firearm. However, none of these had any fingerprints, which meant that they couldn't be linked to any specific individual. Thus, there was no proof of conspiracy that RJ had plotted with the five other suspects to have Ramjan murdered. And with that, Judge Barakias ordered all of the defendants to be released from jail. Meanwhile, the case against Mara Bautista was archived by the court since she had never been subjected to a trial as she had fled the country and as if this recording remains at large. An alias warrant of arrest was issued against her though, with the court stating that they will reopen her case upon her arrest. While RJ's acquittal was celebrated by his family, particularly by his parents, others were less pleased. In an interview with the press, Janelle Manahan said that she was unable to understand the court's decision given that some of the suspects had not only confessed to playing a part in Ramjan's murder, but had also implicated RJ and Mara. Janelle further stated that she was worried about her security since she had survived the ordeal despite getting stabbed and shot straight in the face. Don Ramon passed away in 2020, not having seen the real killer of his son brought to justice. And as more time passes without any new leads, the murder of Ramjan Revilla seems to be getting more and more unlikely to be solved. Thank you for listening to Stories After Dark, a Spotify exclusive powered by Anchor. This story was written by Kayla DeLeon and was narrated and produced by me, Derek. Music is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. 
Stay tuned next week for a new episode. And to make sure you're updated about the show, please follow Stories After Dark on your Spotify app as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to see the references used for this episode, suggest cases, send personal stories, or further support the show, you can go to storiesafterdark.ph for more information. All of the links are in the episode description.